still is, you, you can see that the idea of the Jewish people uh, is quite remarkable. Uh, just that our Bible that we have tells us about the God who made us, tells us about the Jewish people. He made promises that have never been broken. And that is the remarkable spot. And, I, and that's what I want us to think on these very Jewish history proves God and the Bible are true. And I say a hearty amen to that. Now, chapters 12 here and 13 of Revelation chapter 12 uh, of Revelation this evening. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12? Uh, I, I hope you found that interesting. I hope you found that thought-provoking uh, that the God of the Bible, this Bible, is the true God. And uh, you can bank your eternity on it. And uh, what a wonderful uh, promise and what a wonderful comfort it is to know you have truth. And uh, chapters 12 and 13 prove seven significant personalities or players during the tribulation period. Now remember, the tribulation period is before us. It's, it's in the future. Uh, it is when there is a one-world government. We have the World Health Organization. You have the United Nations. You have the World Economic Forum. All of these people are really pushing for a global dominance uh, they're even pushing it in respect to uh, a g one body, one governing body to control how all nations deal with pandemics. So there is a large push today towards a one world centralized government. That's exactly what the Bible tells us. And that is amazing. Again, another proof that our Bible is absolutely true. It came from the only one who lasts for eternity, and I trust that you take solace in that, and that not only solace, but also we would have obedience to this book. And so this tribulation period is future when the one world ruler is on the scene. He's ruling the government. Uh, he's ruling the world. He has a false prophet, um, perceptively, and it seemingly, many times, uh, seems to be, it could be the Pope, uh, the Catholic Pope with him as a false prophet, trying to do these signs, but uh, anyways, I'll, I'll talk about that more uh, later on at another time, but uh, there is a false prophet that is there doing signs with this Antichrist. Hates, hates God, and they're going to centralize all of religion and uh, underneath everyone to worship this Antichrist, the one world ruler. It's a seven-year period, and it's seven years because of the peace agreement that is made with Israel. And uh, that seven-year period will be a time on earth of unprecedented catastrophes, turmoil, and death, never as such as the world has ever seen. It's a horrific time, but if you're a Christian now, you don't need to worry about it because we're going to be raptured up in the air prior to God's final judgment on humanity. And, uh, and uh, in this age, and so... Now, these players that we're going to find in verse uh, chapter 12 and verse chapter 13 give us, really chapter 5, or chapter 12, excuse me, has the great woman, the great red dragon, the man-child, Michael, and the remnant of this woman. And I will talk about the woman, the man-child, and the remnant tonight, uh, or potentially tonight, and maybe next week. But this passage of scripture and the highlight of this evening's message is Israel. She is the sun-clothed woman. Would you follow along with me? Uh, chapter 12 of Revelation, verses 1 through 6, uh, and then verses 13 through 17. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, 
a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars, and she being with child, child cried, travailing in birth, in pain to be delivered. And so the, the word there, travailing, is the thought of a pregnant mother giving birth to a child, which is very painful. That's the, the, the imagery that is given, that word travailing is that very word. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and he cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to de- de- devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days, one thousand two hundred and sixty days, which is in the Jewish calendar. Jewish calendar goes by 360 days, not 365 as we have, so that's three and a half years. Let's look on at verse 13 through 17. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, and he, pers- he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time, and times, and half a time, from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth, and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. She is the sun-clothed woman, as we'll see here in the scriptures this evening. And I'm going to talk about this sun-clothed woman with a moon under her. I'm going to talk, it's not as apostates teach some other entity. I would assert very definitively this woman is none other than Israel. And I'll show you with that, with scripture. Israel's history, their perpetual existence is nothing but extraordinary. And it proves the authority and the genuine authority of the Bible and the genuineness of God. Malachi 3, 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Israel will never be annihilated. You will never have a genocide of the Jews wherein they are all extinguished. It won't happen. And David Sorens, and he makes, he says, yet because of the immutable nature, immutable, that word immutable means unchanging, the unchanging nature of God, they were not consumed altogether. What very well may be implied here is that though God chastens his people for sin, and he has, nevertheless he remains merciful. It is his mercy which prevents him from destroying them and us altogether. His mercy endures forever. Israel has tried through the ages, and Satan has tried to extinguish her, get rid of her. The Holocaust was one very clear point on that. Because if Satan can get rid of Israel, he proves God a liar. He proves the Messiah is not true. If Satan, if Israel is destroyed, this book is no good. The promises and blessings and judgment are absolute truth. They will be awarded at God's exact time and choosing in his declaring. Now you may fight hard to change history. There are individuals that are rewriting textbooks today. And they're trying to change the trajectory of God and his word. But you will be like all others under Satan's control. You'll be dominated and overpowered by the God of this book. You cannot change what God has promised. 
You cannot continue to believe. You will determine your own path and be without the justice of God. There is a coming, a final war, and the opponent leaders are already set. The question I want to ask you tonight is whose side are you on? Are you on God's side or are you on Satan's side? That's the only, that's the only side you're going to choose, one of those sides. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're on God's side. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, Satan, you're on Satan's side. It's clear as day. So what we must do is stop resisting the God of this book, humbly submit to him. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, call out to him, forgive me of my sin. I am a wretched sinner. I do deserve hell. And oh God, please forgive me. Be my Savior. And my friend, you'll be born again. You will be God's child. Israel is a living testament to the authority and the credibility of this book. This is truth. Your choice of how you follow this book will determine your eternity. The Bible is true. Israel's still here. And God is in control of life, not you. And I trust that you would take these truths to heart tonight as we again look. And I trust you would be encouraged. If you're a Christian... You're going to be encouraged that we have a book absolutely true, not some man's word. Because if we have man's word, there's going to be a lot of contradictions, but you're not going to find them in this book. You know, my friend, that is an encouragement because we have truth. Many times people say, I just want the truth. You have the truth tonight in this book. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this evening. And Father, tonight, as we look at the splendor behind the impoverished, immortal woman of the Israelites, Father, she is a wicked, wicked woman, wicked nation now, perverse. And Lord, under the justice and judgment of yourself. But Father, she's never consumed. And Lord, we learn from Israel, if we turn our backs on you, that, Father, there is punishment. And, Lord, if we walk with you, we have peace and abiding joy. And, Lord, we can have safety and security. And, Father, I pray tonight that you'd help us to be resolute, to be steadfast, saying, this is God's book, I'm going to follow it. And, Lord, I yield tonight to you. I love you. Work through my lips. Help me to be accurate. Help me to be clear. I pray that everything makes sense. And Father, we'll thank you for what you'll do. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I want to kind of go back in a little bit of history here. And uh, the promises to the godly seed. Would you look with me at Genesis chapter 12 uh, of God's promise to Abraham? You know what? This is absolutely amazing that of one man some 3,000 years ago or thereabouts, of one man, you have an entire nation throughout history that is so significant. One man. Only God could do that. In Genesis chapter 12, in verse 1, now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. 
And in these shall all families of the earth be blessed. We saw that there in the video, but the fact is, God's covenant promise to Israel, this is the first time God makes this promise to Abraham, and it's never been broken. Then in chapter 17, verse 7, he talks about an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. He says, listen, I'll be a God unto you. We saw, in the, in, as you saw up there, that Israel is scattered among the nations all across the heathen world. They're scattered. Now we know, understand why they are scattered. And I'll talk about that here in a minute. But they're few in number. Why are they few in number? Look with me at Deuteronomy 28.62. This guy that was in that video, he tries to make some... Uh, uh, comments about you know Israel you know perpetuity and and all of this as regarding like how wonderful is Israel I don't say it's Israel's wonderful I say it's the God behind Israel because it's not the nation it's the God behind the nation because if God had made that promise they'd be gone so the splendor behind the sun clothed woman is the God of the Bible that is the amazing part he was trying to highlight Israel, and they are remarkable. And the sad part is, Jews and the Israelite nation has forgotten and abandoned God, finding peace and comfort in just their national identity. My friend, we don't find our identity in our nationalism. We find our identity in Christ. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 62 and ye shall be left few in number, whereas ye were as the stars of heaven for multitude. He talked about that. But you want to know what he, he did not say? Because thou wouldest not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. He didn't include that there. He didn't want to talk about sin. And this is the problem today, is they don't understand that Israel, they're few in number because of their sinfulness. There is a judgment on sin. You reap what you sow. Israel is scattered. They never find ease because they're serving other gods. They're into idolatry. They will not have assurance of life. Blindness in part has happened to Israel. Look with me at Romans chapter 11, verse 25. The, the times of the Gentiles with which we're in currently. So Israel is always on the world stage trying to make peace agreements. I mean, there has been leader after leader after leader of the, the known world that tries to make peace agreements, and whoever the, the, the authority or the leading world government is, lead, leading nation, they try to be the peacekeeper between Israel and the Palestinians. And they're trying to get these peace agreements, but you have divergent, you have worldviews that are so far different, it's not even close. When both people say, this is our land, and they're not going to give up. So Israel does not hold the place of prominence like it did under King David. Why is that? And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 11, verse 25, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel. Israel thinks that they're great because of God with them. 
but they've neglected God. They don't follow him. They give him lip service. They're a whole bunch of religious people, much like we find in our world today and here in this country. They're religious and they go to church and they go through all these rituals. They talk about God, but they don't know him. They've never been saved, born again. They've never placed their faith exclusively in him. It's mainly a tradition that you just go through with. That blindness and poverty has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become, come in and become in. And this will happen at the end of the tribulation period. At the end of the seven-year period, there will be a national revival like Israel has not seen in a very long time. A national revival and they will declare Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus will take over and reign and that starts the 1,000-year Millennial reign. Millennial is a thousand reign of Jesus Christ. Israel, the travail therein, as it talks about here in the scriptures of Revelation, travail, travailing in birth, is the pains associated with giving birth to a child. Very painful, I've heard. John 16, 21, a woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child... She remembereth no more the anguish for her joy that a man is born in the world. And much like a mother as she's delivering this child, it's such a painful experience. And then shortly thereafter, holding that child. And as I've heard, just that peace of, I now have my baby with me. And Israel is in great travail, but her travail that's coming in the tribulation, what she has now is nothing compared to what's coming. Israel, look with me, Isaiah chapter 66. I'm, I, I'm kind of building up some foundation for this. I want you to see how significant this nation is. But not the nation, the God behind this nation. The God that made the promise with Abraham there. My friend, this is something that ought to just humble us and say, Oh my, I just want to thank my God. He's a true God. Isaiah 66, verse 7. Isaiah 66, 7. Give you a moment to get there. There in your Bibles tonight. Isaiah 66, verse 7. Before she travailed, she brought forth, before her pain came, she was delivered of a man child. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth one day, or shall a nation be born at once? That happened in 1948. Israel was born in a day. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children, and Israel came forth in a day. And this is of Israel, the man-child, the Messiah, and I'll talk about that. But from him, from her, Israel, came Jesus Christ. God says in Jeremiah 30, verse 3, in the latter portion, I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Israel is still waiting to gain all the land that God promised to Abraham thousands of years ago. They still believe there's a Messiah coming. Unfortunately, they're believing, they're the Messiah that they're believing, and their beliefs is the Antichrist. Because they rejected Jesus Christ. They travail in birth. Now I want you to, it says, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. This is the Messiah of Isaiah 49, 6. But thou mayest be my salvation at the end of the earth. It's the Messiah of the Jewish 
Jesus, the only Jesus, who was a Jew, who was a light to the Gentiles, that God would bring all nations together through Jesus Christ. The man-child from Israel brought forth in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, uh, in verse uh, 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And then it talks about from David to uh, the carrying away to Babylon are 14 generations. Verse 18 of Matthew 1, uh, uh, from the uh, carrying away into Babylon in, unto Christ are 14 generations. That's the end of 17. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was a spouse of Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought in these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Jesus of the lineage of King David, just as God had promised to David as well. And she shall bring forth the son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, uh, spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, "Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us." Isaiah seven fourteen, that same prophecy. Now, how do I know, and how can I say definitively, this woman, the sun clothed woman, is Israel? It makes, look with me at verse 5. I'm just giving you several of these things. So, number one, you find on this idea here, she had a child travailing in birth. Number three, Satan tried to kill, devour her child as soon as it was born. What happened to Jesus as soon as he was born? Herod tried to kill all the babies two years and under. Now look with me at verse 5. A man-child... The same child to whom Satan sought to kill. This dragon, just take my word for it right now, and we'll look at it further, but this dragon is Satan that sought to kill the man-child as soon as it was born. The, the, the wise men came. And shortly after that child's, born, at that child's birth, the, the wise men would come, however many there were, a period of time after his birth, and sought to kill all babies two and under. That's prophecy fulfilled. Then you have this man-child to rule with a rod of iron. I want you to look with me at uh, Revelation 19 on this one. Someone who will rule with a rod of iron. Who could that be? It also says in Psalm 2, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. But more clearly than that, in Revelation 19, 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. 
John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You read through John chapter 1, you'll find none other than Jesus Christ is the Word. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that he should that with it he should rule, that he should smite the nation, he should rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. A vesture dipped in blood. I spoke about last week the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. In his blood which came the first time as a humble lamb, shepherd waiting to be killed, sacrificed in my place and yours. But he's coming back. And my friend, when he comes back, a man-child with a rod of iron, he's going to rule. He's not coming back. He's going to execute justice on those who hate God. We find something also, verse 5, another indicator that this is Israel. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Who is at the throne of God? In Mark 16, 19, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. That's Jesus Christ as the, the disciples would see Jesus ascend into heaven. That's Mark 16, 19, Luke 24, 51 it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Carried, caught up into God. Look with me at Acts 7.56. Could it be none other, this woman is none other than the nation of Israel. In Acts 7.56 And said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Who's the Son of Man? It's our Jesus. From Israel would come the greatest man of all time. The very one who is our Savior. I want you to look with me at Luke chapter 1, verse 70. This man-child is the Savior, and it tells us even more specifically on this. Luke chapter 1, verse 7, As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him with, without fear, and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life, and we find in this fact to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Again, there's a reference back to Abraham. 
In verses 14 through 17, it gives us another indicator uh, of this woman and the remnant of her seed. You know that Satan has always sought to destroy the seed of this woman. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, Satan would seek to harm and crush and hurt the seed of the woman, ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So here's some travail in Israel's in regards to the birth, of giving birth to the Messiah that Israel would suffer. And there in the year A.D. 70, her temple was destroyed. She went into captivity. She, her temple, the second temple was destroyed. And Israel had tremendous heartache at that time. But we find a travail in history. Herein lies the crux of the matter. Israel stands out as a nation that experiences miracles that have no universal application. I'm reading here from a Nathan Lopez Cardozo. He says, They lack frequency and as such cannot be called ordinary. Indeed, the ten plagues, the splitting of the Red Sea, many other supernatural events are identical to the miracle of creation. Just as the creation occurred only once, so did many of the miracles experienced by the people of Israel. And even when they happen more than once, they happen only to the Jews and they lacked all universality. What he's saying, there's things that happen to the Jews that happen to no one else. If you study the Jewish history from the early biblical days to our own times, one can conclude in spite of the many pogroms, a pogrom is a genocidal attempt. The Inquisition of the Holocaust, Jews were constantly accompanied by highly unusual events, large and small. They survived these atrocities, outlived their enemies, and made it back to the land of Israel in an unprecedented and vexing conundrum for historians and sociologists. But Israel's and this sun-clothed woman, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars... I'll talk about that here in just a moment. Again, Israel, remember you had Abraham, you had Isaac, and then you had Jacob. Jacob had 12 children. Jacob's name would be changed to Israel in the Bible. 12 stars. I'll talk about that here in a moment. But the 12 stars, the travail and birth, I want you to look with me at Jeremiah chapter 4. How could some, why does Israel go through such pain? It is significant, Christian, that we understand that it's not just that the world hates Israel. It's not just that Israel is a victim of the world. Israel's actions have warranted the justice of God wherein the enemies of God have oppressed her. Because of her, what she does with God. Exactly what you do with God will determine whether you have an increase in hardship in your life. Travail in birth, Israel has, I mean, it's been a struggle to get through history. It's been a very difficult thing for them to survive. Now God says you won't be consumed, you'll be few in number absolutely true history proves it and the current status of of, uh, uh, of you know of the nation proves that but they try to you know they, they just don't understand why they're in their position for what they are jeremiah 4 verse 30 tells us and other passages of scripture when thou art spoiled what wilt thou do though thou closest thyself with crimson 
Though thou deckest thee with ornaments of gold, though thou rentest thy face with painting, in vain shalt thou make thyself fair. Thy lover shall des- will despise thee. They will seek for thy life. What he's saying here, he says, listen, you can make yourself beautiful. You know, a woman that might be, uh, let's say she's kind of a woman of the night, a prostitute. But she's wanting someone to really love her, and so she dresses up really nice, she paints her face, she puts on all the ornaments and, and jewelry and all this stuff, trying to have someone treat her right. That's what Israel does, spiritually speaking. And then verse 31, For I have heard a voice as of a woman in travail, and the anguish of her that bringeth forth her first child, the voice of the daughter of Zion that bewaileth her, that spreadeth her sand, saying, Woe is me now, for my soul is weird because of murderers. The travail we find here, very similar, like that in Revelation, is because of her idolatry, her many lovers. And God is giving us, and to Israel, a final opportunity for them to turn to God in the tribulation period. They'll face the destruction of the temple, of an unbelievable travail. They flee into the wilderness, Matthew 24. He would say there's not going to be one stone left upon another there when the second temple was destroyed. The Israel flees in the wilderness, Matthew 24, verse 15 through 33. Matthew 24. And the sad part is, people continue to try to be resilient through a lot of heartache without considering that maybe some of that heartache is a result of a bad relationship with God or no relationship with God. And God's desire through that heartache is to get you to call out to God and ask Him to forgive you and be your Savior. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, Wherefore, uh, when when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. What is the abomination of desolation? Let me give you this to you in short. Spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. At the midpoint, three and a half years into this tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to come into the temple that's rebuilt. And much like you would see uh, like during the Maccabean Revolution, back prior to Christ's birth, there what had happened is, is this emperor comes and he slays a pig inside the temple. And it was a horrible, the abomination of desolation to kill an unclean animal inside the temple was absolutely abhorrent to the Jews. And so he will break the, the, the peace treaty, the seven-year peace treaty, at the three-and-a-half-year mark. It says, verse 16, Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let them which is on the housetop let him which is on the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to his, take his clothes. Woe unto them that are with child and them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your fight, flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Talking about Israel in this particular case. Therefore, if, then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, 
They shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert. Go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even in the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will, be, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those, days, of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, the rod of iron that idea and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other and Israel faces here a tremendous tremendous devastation verses 13 through 16 at some point during the tribulation the devil will bring a flood against her uh, potentially some armies but it seems in light of the scriptures that this is a great flood as it says, and take it at face value what it says, a great flood coming against her. God opens, the earth opens up, it swallows the flood, and Israel is not destroyed. Again, Satan's trying to destroy Israel and prove God falls. Now, where do we get, you said, Pastor, you've talked about the man-child, you've talked about the, uh, the rod of iron. I'm out of time this evening. And I'll, I'll, I'll continue with this about the sun-clothed woman. How do we get a sun-clothed woman being? And I'll tell you this in short. Look with me at Genesis 37, 9. I'm going to bring this to a close tonight. But <clears throat> is, I, I trust, I, I hope this is making some sense. Uh, maybe you've never heard this before and it's something new and exciting. But nevertheless, uh, my goal in all of this about Israel and why I'm going to some of these details is I want us to have an absolute firm confidence. Please have no doubt in this book. You can doubt me. Doubt me all day long. But don't, about, don't doubt this book. This is God's word. Israel is God's, is still under the Abrahamic covenant. God's promise still exists to them. They have not received all the blessings because of their idolatry, their spiritual whoredom. In Genesis 37, 9, we find a scene here. He, this is Joseph, one of Jacob's sons, and he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. Behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And you find this idea of the sun and the moon and the eleven stars, and so you find this bright light but then, in Revelation 21, 23, and the new city, Jerusalem, had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it, for the glory of the Lord did lighten, and the Lamb is a light thereof. The sun-clothed woman. Israel's glory is not because of some innate value in Israel. And God says that in Scripture. He says, I didn't choose you for any greatness of God allowed them to be used because of the faith of Abraham so many thousands of years ago. And God made a promise that God is conditioned upon the very character and the life of God. And he doesn't change. So the promise isn't broken. I'll pick up there, but... The Lord is their everlasting light. Israel's sun-clothed woman is because God is behind Israel. 
And when God is behind you, sure, Israel has, many of them have died, but they'll never be destroyed. If God's behind you, someone might kill your body, but they'll never destroy your soul. You're eternally secure in the God of heaven. They can kill your body, but your soul will be forever with Jesus. History wants to tell us Satan's winning. The world, the pagan world, the nations of this world are winning. That's not true. They want to tell us this is some man-fabricated book. That's not true. I trust tonight your heart is encouraged. My friend, we have God's word. That's a reason to rejoice. To lift it up. That the God who started it all in the beginning, God, is the God who made a promise to Abraham. Israel's never been destroyed. Jesus made a promise for eternity. You'll never perish. If God makes these promises, why don't we just simply trust him for what he says? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're thinking about Israel, understand tonight you're a sinner just like Israel is, and, and I'm going to talk more about this. This is pretty exciting about a true Jew. But the fact is, at our heart, we must come before an almighty, holy God, understanding there's judgment on my sin. And in fear of the judgment, and I, I, my default state is I'm headed to hell, and God doesn't want me to go there. That's my default state, so he reaches out to save me. And if I ask him to save me of all my sins, I can be saved, and you can be saved. I've already accepted Jesus Christ, April 30th, 1986. As a young little boy, I knelt down on my bed with my dad and I asked Jesus to forgive me of all my sins and be my Savior. I had a great weight lifted, man. It was just like a huge weight was lifted. I was young, but I still remember that day as clear as day that I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And Christian, I understand you might be discouraged tonight. And maybe you're going through some deep waters. But our God is still in control. Our God is still on the throne. And may we rejoice. And maybe you're discouraged and you're getting off path. Why don't we just get back on and say, God, I'm sorry. I'll follow you. And so as we have a time of invitation tonight, if I can have Mrs. Pat come forward. This sun-clothed woman, the man-child, Satan tries to destroy. You can't destroy Jesus, a promise God made. The rod of iron, it's coming. But you don't need to be under it if you know Jesus as your Savior. Christian, don't lose heart. Keep your faith in Christ. Stay steadfast and trust God. As the music plays tonight, I trust that you would just talk with the Lord, pray and talk to Him as the Spirit speaks to you this evening. Whatever he calls you to do, I trust that you'd be obedient. This stuff gets me excited. I just want to jump up and say hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. The pain of Israel for so many years is because of a failure to just trust God. Christian, may we just trust Him.
If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I, I really hope and pray that tonight you would say, God, I realize I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I know I don't deserve heaven. I know I don't deserve a relationship with you. And I realize I'm guilty in your justice hall, but I know Jesus paid it all. Please forgive me and be my Savior. And my friend, if you'll ask him, he'll forgive you. But you're trusting in him alone, not in some works, baptism. It's not Jesus and something else. You can't add him. It's only Jesus. In just a moment longer as the music plays and comes to an end here shortly. Christian, I hope you're encouraged tonight. Maybe you're getting a little off track. Get back on track and start following Jesus. Do what's right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for this evening. Lord, I want to thank you for the truth. Father, thank you that you don't break promises. People break promises. People are unfaithful. People are hurtful. People are hypocritical. But God, you're never that. Lord, I want to thank you as we think about and we just talk about the sun-clothed woman and all the travail. We understand why Israel's in her position. You told us why. And yet you've never let her be destroyed. You've never let Satan win. Father, you're the victory. Lord, may we keep our eyes on you, trust you fully. Be encouraged, be strengthened. Father, I love you. Thank you for your grace in the precious name of Jesus.